Welcome to Embrace Your Brain with Dr. D. Joy Coulter. These short weekly brain bits give you fresh glimpses into how your mind works and how to develop its natural brilliance. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is how to Google your own brain. You know when you go to Google something, you have to use keywords, and the best ones are going to bring you the best references. Well, your brain is like that too. If you can get the keywords and key pictures that you stored a chunk of information in, it's going to come back more easily. I never met anyone who understood his brain as well as a man named Walter Little Moon. When he was talking about grade school, he said it was easy because they had the alphabet letters above the blackboard. Well, think about elementary school. Everything you learned back then was pretty concrete, stuff you could picture and imagine in your mind as the teacher was talking. And that's what he did, except he took it one step further and he made mental pictures that he put around and inside all of those letters. So when he looked at the alphabet, he saw what the teacher had been talking about for the past few months. I thought about that and I thought, okay, I get it, but that can't work in high school when the topics are more abstract. You know, they're like industry and mechanics and revolutions. So I said, what did you do in high school? And he said, well, then I had my pictures. And I asked what kind of pictures those were. And he said, well, you know, you'd look out over the plains perhaps and you'd see some cows gathering. That's pretty ordinary. But then there'd be one running down the ravine just so. That kind of picture. I have a lot of those. What he was seeing was a dynamic configuration in nature. And he would go through those pictures and find the one that behaved a lot like the idea that he was trying to remember. So he had a metaphor for all of the elements of the idea mapped onto the elements of his pictures. You can actually Google Walter Littlemoon and see that he has written an amazing book called They Called Me Uncivilized, the memoir of an everyday Lakota man from Wounded Knee. It's a very powerful and poignant book. Now, there's another key that you can use, and it has more to do with the state of mind that you're in. There was a very strange college experiment. Imagine this, a classroom of 300 students who are going to listen to a lecture that was fairly complicated, had a lot of information in it, And if you were standing where the professor was standing, the 150 students on your left were instructed to come to that class drunk. And the 150 students on your right were to come sober. The professor gave the lecture. They could take notes. They could do whatever they normally do for learning. And in two days, they were to come back to take a test. However, among the ones that came drunk... Half of them were instructed to come drunk again, but the other half were supposed to come sober. And on the other side of the room, the 150 sober ones, half of them were supposed to come drunk, and the remainder come sober again. They took the test, and then you can imagine the results. The best scores were from the ones who came sober for the last lecture and were there sober for the test. But what about the second best score? It wasn't the ones who listened sober and took the test drunk, 
or who listened drunk and took the test sober. It was the ones who came drunk to listen and came drunk to test it. I'm not suggesting you should be drinking in college, but it's fascinating because what it teaches us is the state you're in when you learn needs to be the same state as when you put it back out. The learning zone has to match the retrieval zone. Input and output have to be in the same channels. So you can use this idea to create a state of mind that's going to help you learn and help you remember. Suppose you're studying a particular subject, particular aspect in a job retraining program or in an advanced college class. You could wear the same clothes every time you studied that particular topic. Or even just a piece of jewelry or a wristband. For that matter, you could just have a polished stone in your pocket when you were focusing on that subject. Just remember to bring it at the same time when you take the test. You can also play with smell. You could have aromatherapy oils, try lavender or spearmint. You could have tastes, like altoids that are really sharp taste. Put them in your mouth when you study, put them in your mouth when you take the test. You may find that when you walk into a classroom, you always choose the same kind of spot. And use that same spot when you take the test. The chances are you're wanting to put the speaker, the lecturer, either to your left or to your right, depending on how your mind likes to work it. You've got a best side. When you study at home, use the same spot every time you study. And when it comes to that particular subject, try wearing the same clothes, the same ones you'll wear when you take the test. Notice your thinking posture because you're going to want to copy that when you're taking a test later, too. Lots of people, when they get nervous, they sit really upright and they're very tight and they can't remember anything. But if they could get into the posture they were in when they were thinking and studying, it would come back a whole lot easier. So find little tricks to create the same atmosphere, the same state of mind as you learn, as you're going to have when you take the test. If you're enjoying these podcasts, I hope you'll share them with friends. And please visit us at EmbraceYourBrain.com to check out some really great resources.